Hey guys, welcome back to the 429 Podcast. I'm 4. I'm 2. And I'm 9. And today we have episode number 24 of TechCast. So, you know, without further ado, it's been a pretty interesting week. And let's go, go ahead and get through some of our tech news. So Hit us with it. First article of the week, price gouging due to COVID is becoming very, very easy to see. Now, this particular case of it occurs out of the UK, um, but you're, some of these students in the UK are finding that some of their eBooks are costing up to 500% more than their print copies. Oh, just 500? 500% more, right? It's, that's, that's like nothing. It's, it's hardly anything. That's a, great, that's a great discount year over year. I'm just saying. Books are, books are already expensive as it is, and now you've got some of these students being literally, like it's price gouging. Like this is, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing... You can't say anything about it. That's absolutely what it is. The The physical copies are harder to get because of the pandemic. People are less likely to be at school, so they don't have access to their you know giant libraries and whatnot. It's absolutely companies taking advantage of the pandemic and just increasing their prices specifically. So, I mean, I think that this is kind of, you know, terrible to say the least. And I mean, what are, what are you guys' takes? Is there is there any room for this to ever happen? Because personally, I don't think so. I mean, it's going to happen. Sadly, but it shouldn't happen. That's pretty much it's one of those things where like it shouldn't happen, but it's gonna happen. And um, yeah, until until someone just calls out, you know the you know the 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 wolf in sheep clothing, it's it's just gonna continue. It's one of those things where just companies kind of like push the boundaries of it until someone calls them out. Like, oh, my bad, my bad. And then just like hope, hope, hopefully this gets resolved in like a week or so, especially with like schools starting up soon. Um, yep. I think next week actually, right? Yep. A lot of schools are starting on next week. Some have already started this yeah, week. Some so, started this week. So, like, you know, th- this is prime time for students to, you know, get in their, their list, you know, figure out what books they want. So, I imagine. They yeah, the books they need. I imagine this is going to be uh, one of those things where um, it's going to happen for another week. And then, well, after everyone got their books, everyone's going to be, Amazon's going to be like, you know what? You're right. We'll fix that right away. <laughs> after, well, after everyone already got their books for this season. So, hopefully, I'm wrong. But uh, that's my prediction. What do you think, too? Look, price gouging for books has been happening since the beginning of time, right? I can't even say anything along those lines there. My great-great-great-grandfather so... has suffered from <laughs> Yep. What's that? It really is. But, uh... uh... Hello? Yep, we got you back. You're back. Yeah, sorry, my Discord crashed. But, um, as I was saying... Um, yeah, price gouging for books has been happening since, like, the beginning of time, right? So, like, I'm not really surprised that this is happening. Um, now, should they happen during COVID times? We could all agree, you know, no. But no one's really... I feel like the pandemic has really brought out the worst in people. And this is just one of those examples, right? And so it sucks that this is going on. But, you know, what can we really do here? Yep. No, I got you. And I know, I know, you know, according to this article, there are some legal actions being taken. People are calling for, you know, investigations and lawsuits to occur because... I don't know the particular law in the EU, but I know that in the U.S. and many states, it's illegal for you know places like gas stations to hike up their prices during like storms and whatnot. So, I would imagine this would be very similar and fall under certain uh, natural disaster exceptions in terms of price gouging allowances. But uh, anyway, that was pretty interesting. Let's move into the next article. Uh, this is a big one, right? This is probably the biggest thing that's happened this week. Um, I'm sure you guys have all heard That's... about it by now, and this is, you know, the whole Robin Hood and GameStop and, you know, <laughs> the, the, the short squeeze, as we'll call it, right? 
I didn't hear about this. So this is... You know, You're living under been, a rock, then. This has been the biggest news of the week, and, you know, I don't... I don't even know if it's quite necessary to go super in-depth onto all of the stuff that's happened because you've probably been spammed with it for, you know, hours across every other outlet you've ever seen. But, you know, essentially what was happening this week was a group of Redditors on a subreddit called r slash WallStreetBets noticed that a specific, a certain financial hedge fund um, was overexposed in terms of risk on their short positions on GameStop stock. And this led the subreddit to all start purchasing this GameStop stock and thus causing the price to drastically increase by thousands of percentage points and essentially cost, you know, that hedge fund billions of dollars. And, you know, now this has been going on and it's just a big fight pretty much of Reddit and, you know, I guess you could call it the working class versus all of these hedge funds that want to, you know, continue to be um, top players in terms of the short market. And they're trying to really punish them for it. And... You know, one of the big articles that we got that came out of this was um, Google deleting over 100,000 negative reviews from Robinhood's app. So Robinhood, in response to this whole situation, started halting trading in terms of purchase orders on GameStop and, you know, AMC and some other related stock. And, you know, obviously their users were very upset by this and they started getting spammed with negative reviews, hundreds of thousands of them. You know, they, they mm-hmm. lost... I think their four-star rating, they were tanking in terms of the review area. And Google, and I believe both Apple as well, that's not listed on this article, but I'm almost certain they did as well, deleted thousands, tens and hundreds of thousands of negative reviews. Um, so I, I think that, you know, overall the situation is really crazy, but, you know, Google and Apple just deleting reviews from legitimate users after having legitimate experiences is not right either. It kind of degrades the entire review you know, market, or I guess the whole point of reviews, if you ask me. What do you guys think? I agree. I think it's kind of, um, I guess, shitty in a way. Pretty much, yeah, I guess the best way to say it is shitty. That you have a legitimate concern, right? And, you know, maybe it as form as a, a mass protest or a mass attack, but it's still legitimate concerns, legitimate complaints, stuff like that. And it's just being swept under the rug completely, yep. you know? So it's, you know, it also I assume that this is all being done without Google even addressing this. This is only really found out by someone else realizing that Google's been deleting them. Google mm-hmm. didn't. Have, I don't think Google came out and said we're deleting these because we think its emotions are too high right now. Yeah. If they said that and maybe kind of prefixed that, maybe it would have been a little bit different, you know. And I can kind of understand that because in some aspects it's their store, they can have, you know, their policy and stuff like that, but. I'm trying to do it stealthily or under the rug. That thing that makes it really more sketchy and a little yeah. bit more gross, in my yeah. opinion. So, not, not not a fan. Google lost some big points for me in that regard. And uh, it just shows that pretty much it doesn't matter what side you're on. One of these days, you're just going to be swept under. Yep. T, what do you think? What are you feeling? Yeah, you know, it's like um, I've been following the, the Reddit thread of r slash Wall Street Bets, right? And, you know... A lot of what they're saying is true more and more that we see it every day, right? We keep seeing big businesses that are lined by, you know, Wall Street's pockets for literally just bent saving their pockets, right? It's literally just protecting big business over and over and over again. And it's just not, you know, the most efficient thing that we see. And it, and it sucks because it really hurts the little dude. And like, 
I don't know. I feel very, I'm very appalled by Google's actions here for removing the reviews, especially if they were legitimate users. Now, if they're illegitimate users, fine. But if they were legitimate users of the app, which I believe you have to be to even post a review, you know, like I feel that they were all the reviews were in the right regard. And I'm deeply upset by what Robin Hood has been doing. And I've seen their CEOs come out and speak out and everything, but it just completely, you know, this puts a whole other level on just trading and investing. Right. And it's just, upsetting into the community itself I, I, I agree with you I do want to point something else out though this is uh, something I was reading about the other day um, so supposedly a lot of these lawsuits that are coming up against Robinhood and other you know um, broker broker brokers that are you know that halting or limiting trading on these I guess what they would consider highly volatile stocks um, so take Robinhood for example um, one of the reasons I was reading that Robinhood might have been halting purchase orders on GameStop stock is Actually, a pretty legitimate reason, and the what, what I had read was that Robinhood has to put forward a deposit on every purchase order they fulfill, right? So they're not executing their own trades. So trades don't actually, you know, you don't actually own the security. You don't have the physical medium until two days after you've submitted the trade order, right? So Robinhood has to kind of put put up that money for you, and when you have this type of I guess volume occurring from all of these other people, and you know all this volatility that creates a certain amount of risk and you know now they're putting their neck out there having all of these having all of this uh, open credit and all of this risk exposure so you know they're probably i don't know a whole ton about that whole process but if i had to guess they're probably going to try and use something like that as their defense in you know for example i believe the texas attorney general ken paxton just uh, put well i'll tell you well i'll tell you well i'll tell you one thing right here right if this is happening, right, and if that is a thing, then straight up, Robinhood is has to come out and say that we can't support our own business, right? Yep. You yep. are literally putting, you know, you know, the Wall Street betters guys say gains, right? But from those in the finance industry, you're really putting, you know, profit on hold for a lot of these retail investors, yep. Yep. which is pathetic because Absolutely. it's retail yep. investors – Right. Although retail investors are a small minority of the market because of how things have been with the advent of the Internet, with the advent of Google, with the advent of all these different protocols and frameworks and pieces of information and information lines. You know, everyone has the same knowledge now. Right. So knowledge is an equal playing field now. And for the tools not to be of an equal playing field, that's just that's just literally putting people at a complete disadvantage yeah. who shouldn't be at a disadvantage. Yeah, I agree. And so Robin Hood should honestly come out and say that we can't support our own business. And if you can't support my business, I'm sorry, but you should go to another trading platform, whether it be, I don't know, I don't trade. So it's like, I don't know the other trade, but like E-Trade, TD Ameritrade, whatever they are, right? Go to those trading platforms instead and do it than going to Robin Hood. And so. you know, I know there were a lot of other brokerages and trading platforms that also halted trading and purchase orders or at least limited them on those same uh, securities and stocks at that point in time. So, I mean, but notably there was one that didn't, I actually read about this cause you know, you know, we've praised, you guys have all heard us. We've praised Robin hood for the work that they've done within the financial and technology sectors over and over again on this podcast. But this one really struck a bad chord because yep. this is pathetic of what they've been doing, but fidelity, believe it or not, was one of the few, 
actually, I think one of the only two, I forgot what the other one was, but Fidelity was one of the major ones that actually did not halt any trading on GameStop, right? During this whole interesting craze that was going on. And the main reason was simple, right? Fidelity owned enough shares that it could support its business, yep. right? The, it was a primary brokerage to support its business. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it sucks that you should go to a little player and support the little businesses. But when the big business is the one having the best support and the best infrastructure in place to support it, you're going to go there, right? Mm-hmm. Especially now that Fidelity offers zero trading, such as, as does Robinhood now, because Robinhood changed the game in trading, mm-hmm. right? Really, Robinhood has, at this point, no credible advantage over the other trading platforms, in my honest opinion. That's but, not true. That's not true. They got that nice mobile UI. <laughs> Can't be that. All right. All right. All right. Fidelity, from a front end developer's perspective, they, developer, they got That's that. True. They got that working. They got that working. But Fidelity, you can still get on that. You know? You could. It's not, not too late. Not too late. Not too late. Just copy. Yeah, Just it's, copy. It's, it's, it's been a really crazy week. You know, it's going to be interesting to see where all these lawsuits go and what comes out of it. And I mean, like you said, just, just kind of leave on this final note. I think you're right. If Robinhood was really having risk issues and didn't want to take that extra that extra risk and put their neck out there to keep fulfilling orders like this, they should have come out right away in a statement publicly and said so. I don't understand yeah, why they would not I have agree. done that. And I mean, really, like I'm pretty sure they're they're IPOing soon. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I think by oh, not, I don't know by not by not squashing everything that was going on right away, they really might have just killed themselves. It's going to be very again, interesting to see what happens. Again, this goes back to the Google situation. If they just prefixed it and just honest, clear communication from the start, I think it would have been a, l- a lot less uh, you know, criticism and harsh back feedback from what is now looking into it. Because like, I didn't even know about the whole thing you said about Robert Hood until now. Yep. right? And that, and that actually makes sense. And that actually, you know, prefix okay, you know what, that's fair. You know, again, what two said earlier, they have that disadvantage and you know maybe that maybe be enough for me to go to you know fidelity if i was a trader but you know at least now there's a legitimate reason rather than just feeling like i'm being you know tacked on right yep but again time is critical for these things if you're if i'm hearing this information from a third party and not from your mouth directly i already lost all respect coming from yep. you i shouldn't be hearing this from like from wall street journal i should be hearing this from your mouth first yep. yeah yeah yep and the disinformation campaign that's been going on surrounding all of this, right? And all these billionaires really coming out and saying like, oh, like, oh, I'm losing a lot of money. Like, look, you know, retail investors have been shut down for a while, right? And, you know, we've talked about it earlier this week, but this is a revolution we're seeing, right? I'm very interested to see how this revolution plays out. I will not be a participant in the revolution personally, yeah, yep, right? Um, so I won't be trading. I won't be investing. I won't be doing any of that, right? But to, to all the Redditors and all the people out there that are investing and going crazy and joining in the revolution, I wish the best of luck to you because taking down Wall Street is serious business, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if you guys ever remember Occupy Wall Street, right? And the whole movement there, but like... This is a whole different level of hitting them where it hurts. And so we'll see how it plays out. Really where it hurts. Occupy Wall Street was nothing more than just a couple of protests. I mean, now you've actually caused hedge funds to lose tens of billions of dollars. So they're listening now. I think a hedge fund failed. I think one or two hedge funds actually had to file bankruptcy because of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, this just goes to show you. And also, I think think more importantly, right, it shows that, like, you know, shorting should be more, uh, you know, have more regulated. Yeah. we'll, We'll also see because... You know, these hedge funds that didn't have to go bankrupt, 
I mean, may, th there's a chance that some of them might actually get more aggressive going into the future now because they've got heavy losses they need to write off next year. So they want to win, 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 win. Yeah. But then, the, you know, what also scares me is the manipulation factor that may come in. They may, because we've seen it now on all Wall Street bets, right? Yep. There's been a lot of misinformation bots that have been going around on all Wall Street bets and trying to influence people to invest in other stocks to get them out of their GameStop positions, right? Yep. And, um, and the other aspect that's really interesting in this whole thing that you bring up the Robinhood piece, right? Because I've done a lot of research into this, is that Robinhood is actually backed by one of the biggest hedge funds in the world, Citadel, yep. right? So they're executing most of, most of Robinhood's over. trades, I think, like up to forty percent. It, it's all it's all a conflict of interest here, right? It's all big business and conflict of interest, and you know, it sucks that this is the way it's going down. But you know, I'd anyway, like to, let's like continue. To, with I'd like to going. see Citadel's portfolio at the end of this next month here because you know, they're, <laughs> they're they're executing and clearing most of Robinhood's trades, where most of these people were performing trades to begin with, and. You know, how do we know they weren't just front running and, you know, they're getting all that data shipped right to them. All their investors have free look at it and bam, right? Like, who knows? It's interesting. Yeah. They, they have access no to clue. it all, right? It's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, let's move but on. But anyway, let's keep going. We spent a lot of time here. Uh, I'm kind of going to roll these two articles into one. So this is a big one. This is coming out of Apple. Um, in one of the new upcoming Apple updates, we're going to see... A privacy feature added to the uh, added to the uh, the operating system. So, the purpose of this is to prevent third-party app tracking, right? So, what Apple wants to be able to do is make it so that way before an application can have access to other third-party apps and you know systems on your phone, you need to approve that. So this is you know obviously starting a huge war with Facebook, pretty much, right? Who is king of data and only wants to be able to get as much. Uh, tracking and information as they possibly can and this leads us into the second article where Facebook is now preparing a massive antitrust lawsuit against Apple specifically because of their unfair approach to privacy for and uh, default apps so I mean this is gonna be big you know we see Apple is now fighting wars on multiple fronts right Facebook is going at them for antitrust we've still got epic going at them for antitrust which we haven't uh, we haven't had an update on in a while uh, so we'll have to check and see. Uh, I think the next lawsuit scheduled for May. It's gonna be. It's gonna be another four more months. Got it. Damn. But I mean, like, like you see, there's, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of skin in this antitrust game right now, even among these top tech companies, right? And then you've got other companies like, you know, Parler, who was going after Amazon for antitrust for kicking them off their, uh, their AWS web servers. Like, there's a, there's a lot of, I guess, war happening right now between and towards your big tech companies and. You know, I mean, this kind of goes right back into what we just talked about. There's a war on the elites is really what's occurring. It's kind of a crazy time right now. So what are your uh, what are your thoughts on this all? I'll give you my quick thoughts on just the Facebook thing. Facebook should be the last company going after someone for an antitrust lawsuit. Oh, all right. Let's not even go there. <laughs> right. Like you're really having Facebook out of all people go at an antitrust lawsuit. That's who against Apple, yeah. which has been so pro consumer. Like what? What world are we freaking living in that someone's actually taking this case into consideration here, right? So, like, I think it's a stupid idea that Facebook's trying to do this. And Facebook's only doing this, to be honest with you, because Apple, again, it's back to what we just talked about, right? Apple's hitting them where it hurts, their wallet, right? Yep. Apple's new security features with Safari, the new security features on the iPhone, the new security features on everything is exposing basically all the malicious shit that Facebook's been doing for years now, right? Yep. So, you know what? It's... 
the only way Facebook, I guess, can counteract this is with a lawsuit instead of actually doing a better engineering job at hiding their features. But, you know, it is what it is here, right? So let's see let's see what goes down. But, Nine, what were you saying? I was saying pretty much what well, I agree with you. I mean, it's just, it's just I, I've read this uh, a comment somewhere about this article, and they're pretty much going to uh, – it kind of summarizes pretty well. There's going to be two types of Internet. In after this, it's going to be the internet where Apple wins or one more Facebook wins. That's how I think that's how drastic this decision and the predecessor this can set. If depending, I agree. Um, you're going to have a very pro consumer internet or a very uh, uh, what's it called company focused, uh, company favored internet. I hope hey, you know we talked about this last week, but you know, if Facebook wins this lawsuit, Brave, you have a new user coming your way. 100%. This is kind of interesting though, right? Because Let's step back a second. I'm sure you guys remember a couple, uh, maybe it was a couple weeks, a couple months ago, we talked about how um, they were thinking about adding more regulations in the EU regarding default apps on the iPhone and Android, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember this. I think this it was is, one this is actually, actually one of the pieces that is going to be included in this antitrust lawsuit towards Apple, right? So it's going to be interesting to see because there's pieces of the lawsuit that I think actually have merit and might, you know, might actually be warrantable. But then there's pieces of it that also make absolutely no sense. You know, it's like, for example, um, the fact that Apple has privacy features on their phone and doesn't want to allow data collection, that's going to get thrown out. That, I don't see how that will ever get upheld in court, right? I mean, privacy for the consumer is never a bad thing. Um, you know, I agree. now when you think about the default apps on a phone, we just saw this a couple months ago happening in the European Union. These are massive legislation pushes happening over there. Where they're like, oh, you've got Apple Music on your phone, but Spotify is not default. You know, these smaller things aren't default. This puts them at a disadvantage. And it does. It puts them at a disadvantage, right? So, I mean, really, we're going to have to see that case go to court. And I'd like to see what they decide on it because it's becoming, you know, the lines of private business in terms of these tech companies, it gets more blurred with public space every single day. And, you know, like take the Internet, for example, and social media. They're public forums, yet they're run by private companies, right? So do you have constitutional rights on private forums? Who knows? I really think that we're going to have to see legislation and, and lawsuits coming coming forward to either affirm or deny these, these rights. And, I mean, I think that these cases need to happen. So one way or another. I agree. Well, let's keep on. Mm-hmm. All right. Next, let's talk about another big hack that happened. We're back on solar winds. Back on solar winds. <laughs> so this is new it news. Is Supposedly, up to thirty percent of people who were, you know, victimized, quote unquote, by solar winds, didn't actually use solar winds. What? So, can you explain what solar winds is? Yeah. So solar solar winds, yeah. as far as I know, it's an infrastructure tool used for uh, like firewalls and you know just access and logging and different things by a ton of companies, a lot of Fortune 500 companies all over the government. They're very large. Okay. Um. So, anyway, they had a I, I, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. They had a massive breach where pretty much almost every single one of their clients was breached at a I believe it was an update server that had the password like Solar Winds one two three or something, and that was what I think was one of the main entry points, but. You know, we're now learning that there were other intrusion vectors that were used to gain access. And, you know, up to 30% of people who were who had data loss from this breach didn't even use the company. And, I mean, that's kind of really interesting to me. And, 
you know, just goes to show you how different attacks, like this article in particular mentions, mentions password spraying to compromise individual email accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see, they're talking about, that was the main one they mentioned in here, but, I mean, there's just, there's, it just goes to show you how easy these hackers have it at getting a minimal amount of information and using that to gain access to not only your company, but people you do business with as well, which is why vendor security is such a big problem. Right, so... Definitely agree. Very interesting. There's really not much to go through there. It's kind of just a quick statement, but we can move on to this one, which I think you guys are definitely going to have opinions on, and then we'll get to our next big story. So New Massachusetts will ban, or is is proposing a bill um, that would ban broadband caps during the pandemic. Yes. Um, New Massachusetts? It's just Massachusetts. I I misread the title. It's a New Massachusetts bill would ban broadband caps during the pandemic, is what it says. (laughs) This is from Vice. I was like... I was like, is this the 51st state? Like, no, what it's is not. this? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, 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 I misread. That was my fault. But I, anyway, you know, obviously there's a lot of a lot of price gouging happening, just like we saw earlier with uh, e-books in the UK and Britain. Um, and there's also purportedly some price gouging happening in terms of the telecom sector when it comes to internet bill, internet usage, and you know, data caps and whatnot. So, you know, some lawmakers are not having any of this, and they really want you know to make sure that. People who need it, you know, especially people in low-income communities that cannot afford to be paying for more internet than they already have, um, are not going to be, you know, really hit by new data caps that come in and price gouging. So, I mean, personally, I think this is a great bill. I think price gouging, you know, due to natural disasters like a pandemic, are no joke, and they're already seeing more customers than ever. Your internet-related businesses are doing bigger business than they've ever dreamed of doing before right now because of all the people that are being forced to use their services. And, I mean, I just think that there's really no downside to this right now in terms of protecting consumers during a natural disaster. Yeah. Complete agreement with everything you just said. No, like, I've, already, I've already voiced my opinion earlier in this episode, so yeah. I'm good is, here. Is this a state bill? Or is this, this is a state for... bill. Okay, so, you know, this should be... Uh, it's for a new... It's from the new state of Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, I already know about the state. This is the 57. <laughs> the state, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 57. They're skipping six ones. Oh, they um, are. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> there should, it should be... The only, the only thing I would change about this is make this uh, cross the country. That's yeah. the only thing I would change. 100%. Uh, we already seen the pandemic companies have uh, trying to take advantage of this and kind of uh, ban, uh, what's it called, bottle cap people, especially now where you can the internet while more... That there's no there's no legitimate there's no even argument about this like internet has pretty much have become a need in the yeah. last couple of months yeah for schooling for work for pretty much anything for, even for everything for living for entertainment yeah. for everything for everything not even entertainment like you, if you want to take away entertainment for someone that's not even a need you need it for 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 groceries so people would use it for grocery shopping as you know contact is very uh it has it's literally in. used for food water and shelter which are basic human necessities at yep. this point it's pretty much a need i spent with the with the climate we're in right now so this should be just nationwide you know i, I agree i, I want to spring us forward a little bit here um if you look down a couple articles uh there's one from from box as well so and this is really true and this kind of ties into this you know how the internet is such a need right now so one of the big hurdles in terms of you know the pandemic is getting vaccinated and Getting vaccinated happens online. You need to fill out an appointment through your state's system on the internet, right? So you've that's, it just proves to you how absolutely of a necessity the internet is right now. 
You know, mm-hmm. some of these people yeah. cannot get back to normal life without being vaccinated. They cannot do it. You know, almost everybody can. I don't think we can really get back to any level of normalcy without some type of herd immunity from vaccines. But regardless of that, um, and, you know, moving slightly off topic, not all seniors even have the Internet skills to really fill out these forms by themselves. You know, I know one of my friends was telling me he was helping his grandma fill out the form and... It was like 52 questions where they required like seven uploads of documents to the website. Like, how many people do you know that can't do that, that are, you know, younger? Let alone if you're, you know, 65 plus trying to get this type of stuff done. I mean, it's a huge hurdle. And I I, I think that this is really a crucial error in the part of the government in, you know, trying to set up these vaccine appointments, especially with the older crowd of people, because a lot of them just cannot do it alone. So what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I much agree. I mean, like, this is... Yeah, agreed. This goes back to, like, people filing taxes, too, right? We're talking yeah. about vaccines here, but this has been a age-long issue with taxes as well, where, like, you've had people who could just not be able to file taxes because they don't have access to the internet, right? So, like, I it's the same of, stuff I here. Taxes. I wasn't even thinking about, like, a couple of years ago when we are doing the whole healthcare thing. Remember we had to apply online? Look how there's so many... We just named three instances right here in just this two minutes of, like, how internet's a basic necessity for these people, right? So, like, this just shows you right here, right? And to nine and fourth point as well, like, this is a need now, right? Like, you can't... It's... Yeah. There's just no better way to put it that this is a need. Even post-pandemic, you know, as people kind of claim, well, we're going to probably go back the way... We're not going to go back to the way no. It's just impossible. You might have a hybrid system, right? Things might normalize to a point, of course, but we're not going to go back to the complete things, right? COVID has oh, not at all. The way not we, at all. How work? COVID has permanently sprung us forward, probably a decade in internet usage. Pretty much, pretty much, and, and at least, at least five, and at the bare minimum, it's five years, right? Yep. Yeah. I wish it could have been done without all the deaths and you know tragic family loss and stuff like that. But uh, at least hopefully this will now shine a light to Congress and stuff like that, that this is more of a need than just in this uh, than just a want at this point. And hopefully things change with that movement. Yep. So we'll see. Agreed. Well, you know, there is some good news in terms of Internet access, and I'll let this kind of spring us into this, uh, into this topic right here. SpaceX is planning their next generation Starlink already. Starlink? Yep. So they're look they they launched about a thousand satellites so far, and also just to give a quick uh, a brief background right now for those of you who don't know, Starlink is a SpaceX product, you know Elon Musk, where their goal is eventually to be able to provide high speed internet to anyone on the planet, and they're doing this by um, deploying a variety of I believe they're in mid orbit satellites, um, you know thousands of them really you know they're not like giant satellites they're relatively smaller packages compared to what you would think of when you think of satellite. Yeah, like each rocket um, deploys like 10,000 satellites. Correct, yes. Yeah. So I think they've deployed 1,000 after over 18 launches so far for V.9 and 1.0. And now they've roadmapped to V.1.5 and 2.0, which is going to, you know, obviously increase in speed, more reliable, you know, all your, you know, regular stuff, um, as well as just deploying more of them, right? So they'll continue to improve on the technology and continue to deploy more and, this is a real threat to internet service providers everywhere, right? Because if you can have Starlink able to provide, even if it's just decent, right? If you can get 100 megabit per second download through Starlink, you've already given almost everyone on the almost everyone on the planet just the same speeds, if not better than what they currently have. And not the fact that you can just launch more satellites to increase bandwidth and utilization, right? Like there's, 
it's so easy for them to expand. Just launch more satellites. Launch more. Right? It's 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 very I just have to say one thing. I just have to say one response to this, right? And that's goodbye, Comcast. Haha. <laughs> like they're just it's, they, it, they're done. They're wait, done. Wait, wait. Like, it, it, it pretty much is equivalent to what Robinhood that we talked about earlier has done for the cost of instant trading and like low cost entry to trading, right? Once that predecessor is set, once the competition has set the bar, everyone has to follow suit, which means the consumer wins all around. Yep. Right. You know, this is exactly. And I'm excited, point. especially because this is Elon right here, right? And Elon, I trust, man. Like Elon is. A Elon man. has shown time and time again that not only does he care about like the people, right? He also two doesn't really care about money, but three, the most important thing is his work wants to make an impact on people's lives yeah. every day for the better. Right, whether that's through electric cars, right, payment processing with PayPal. Think about that for a second, right? He started literally virtual payment processing. He, did. he started electric. He restarted electric vehicles, right? And know. now he's trying to bring a necessity. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say I don't know. Now he's trying in the to bring world that deserves the title of richest man more than Elon Musk at this point. Pretty much, man deserves it at this point. Yeah. Well, the, the, the advancements he brought us as a society forward. Totally deserves it at this point. And look, he's only richest man for now, dude. I guarantee you, within the next two years, these, this dude's gonna be broken, sleeping on Larry Page's couch again, right? Only Maybe. because he's gonna take that money and start another company that's gonna do even better for humanity. Yeah, no, it's, you know, I, I really do. I envy Elon Musk. He's, I think, he's one of the best and biggest players. Obviously, he's the biggest, but he's probably one of the best people in big tech right now. And I really. You know, he's a, I think he's a good person to look up for for everybody. He's got a great story. He's doing great work. And, I mean, his life goal is literally to guarantee the survival of the human race. So, yeah, crazy much. guy. You can't, say much, you can't say much better things about him. Yeah. After this, it's going to be Mars. And this kind of actually leads us in again. I feel like there's a lot of leading us into the next topic right now. I didn't even do this on purpose. But, you know, this leads us into the next topic I'm looking at, um, which is a technological breakthrough that allows seamless conversion of ammonia to hydrogen. So this is a what? report out of Northwestern University where researchers have developed an effective environmentally friendly method for converting <clears throat> ammonia to hydrogen. Right. So this is one of the big areas outside of electric um, that we look towards for green energy. Right. So just, just once again, a little bit of background. Take Tesla's, for example, right? What does a Tesla do? It takes energy in, it uses that, you know, to power your electric motors, right? But how is that energy created? You have to burn some type of fuel or, or solar or solar panels or something, right? Whatever. Um, and it's also a chemical reaction within the battery that allows you to store it. But regardless, there's another form of, I guess, better clean energy that's similar to electric, but maybe it's a little bit dirty. I don't quite know the, the numbers behind this, but it's another one that's touted as a green energy source. And this is hydrogen, right? So if you think of the system of electrolysis, right? What do you do for electrolysis? You break apart um, water by giving it an electric current and you create oxygen and hydrogen, right? And this is often what is looked towards in terms of like um, big rocket engines and whatnot, right? Using stuff like hydrogen and oxygen to power large engines that need massive amounts of thrust. But this reaction can happen in reverse, right? So when you have reverse electrolysis, you essentially will generate electricity by taking oxygen and hydrogen and recombining them back into water, right? So you create a water vapor, you create electricity, and the input for that for that reaction was hydrogen and oxygen. Now you can use this electricity 
to power a car engine the same way that you would use it as a battery, right? So instead of having a battery in the car, you have an electrolysis engine where you combine oxygen and, and hydrogen to create an electric current and you know also water vapor. So this is also considered a very, very clean source of energy. There's a handful of cars in the market right now that use technology like this, and supposedly they actually can go up to 50% further than um, Tesla cars is what I was reading on this topic uh, about a week ago. So, you know, hydrogen fuel cells are another really, really interesting piece of the puzzle in terms of getting to, you know, a point of fully renewably, uh, renewable clean energy. And, you know, finding a, a solid source of hydrogen is, you know, one of the harder parts. Um, but now that you can, you know, use ammonia, this is another really, really clean way to, you know, get hydrogen that's required in order to supply energy to these cars and different, different, other, different things as well. So this is, I thought this was really another, another really cool breakthrough. And, you know, this is just something that I've been personally interested in reading up on for the past week or so. So happy this to feels like This feels like the, the story we talked about a few weeks ago about the whole reversing age thing. Yep. Where it's just, it sounds really impressive, but it sounds so smart to me that I can't figure out a instant uh, implication how to use it. Yeah. But I know it's impressive. <laughs> Well, here, 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 here's how it will be used, right? You need to figure out a way to create hydrogen to power, for example, cars, right? Hydrogen fuel cell cars. Yeah. Um, being, able to, being able to break ammonia into its components and get hydrogen out of that, now that hydrogen can be used, you know, in like a gas pump, for example, to fill up your car, that way you can get fueled up to drive further, right? So this is just another method of now creating, of cleanly creating hydrogen that can be used to power cars, which is, like I said, that's, that, that's always a good thing. More options is never bad. More options is not bad. Hundred percent agree. And uh, again, this is just one of those things where it just sounds really impressive. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, but let's... guys, I think we are up on time actually, right? I want to so... do two things real quick. Just brief. You know, bam! I want to touch on them real quick. Rapid fire these. All right, go for it. One, Netflix is looking to add a feature for automatic screen locking. So I'm sure you've all had a, had a time where you know you're sitting on your bed, you fall asleep, Netflix plays, you wake up with a phone with a dead phone. Not anymore. Netflix wants to nice. add the feature to either have your phone automatically lock after 15, 30, or 45 <clears throat> minutes. No more waking up with dead phone. <gasps> Two, Telegram is now allowing you to bring across chat history from WhatsApp. So you know there's a hundred people uh, people it claims cool. to have gained over the last uh, couple months, and they're looking to help service them. A lot of people left WhatsApp due to privacy concerns, which we've talked about previously. And having the option to bring over uh, WhatsApp chat history is really, really helpful. Uh, next, we've got Signal making major strides in terms of adding you know, really mainstream features. They've added chat wallpapers, uh, an about like biofield on your profile, animated stickers, media auto downloads and full screen profile photos for iOS, which were already on Android. So a bunch of new features coming to Signal as they seek to kind of expand their market share in the messaging system or messaging area. And this is kind of another topic we've talked about already, but you, the Chief of the United Nations is also calling for regulations on large social media companies, believing that you cannot have you cannot let companies, a handful of them only, have the same kind of control that some nation states might be able to have. And you know I'm kind of in agreement with him on this, but I'm not, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more details on exactly what he was talking about first but you know any any last bit of thoughts you guys want to give otherwise we'll kind of just end it up here i mean i hope signal uh brings up the pace too with uh telegram 
because the second game has always been kind of one to one with features. Yep. But Signal, as we talked about earlier, stronger security, just lacking in features. So, you know, yep. bringing that up, I think that would be pretty much in the game even further. I agree. I'm with you. But, I mean, that's pretty much. Yeah, fun. no, definitely. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how this all plays out, and I just can't wait to see uh, yeah. the future of technology, as we say. Yep. All right, guys. Anyway, well, this has been a really packed week. Kind of went over by a couple minutes here, but. Uh, it's been the 429 Podcast. You know, if you want, go check us out on our website, the429podcast.com, at the429podcast on all major social media sites, Twitter, Twitter Facebook, Instagram. Um, you know, reach out to us. Let us know how we're doing, uh, how you're doing, what you'd like to see. If you want us to do any more large, long episodes, we're happy to do it. Give us some recommendations. Maybe we can put out a couple more. Um, other than that, uh, this has been TechCast episode 24, and we will see you next week. Take care, guys. Peace. Cool. Bye, guys.